But he's saying there are many things afflicting the church today in that direction. He says, remember Mrs. Lot, Lot's wife. And he goes on to say, blessed people. And so, when he hesitated, the men again, hesitancy, hesitation. Why? Why do they hesitate? Because when you go to them and say, the Messiah is coming, prepare the way. Look at my prophecy in Israel now. Look at what my prophecy has done in Ukraine, in South Sudan, in Sudan rather, in uh, Israel, with COVID globally, and all these prophecies that my tongue has spoken and fulfilled accurately. Look at the one in Israel now. And the Lord literally saying that every word that the Lord has spoken must be fulfilled. Be careful now. The same tongue has announced the Messiah is coming. And when you announce to them, look now, that prepare the Messiah is coming. Look, hesitation. Why? Because they think they still have time. They think they have time. Mrs. Lord thought she had time. They were hesitating. That's the only way you hesitate. When you think you have time. That many would say peace, peace, peace. When there is no peace. All of a sudden, destruction will overtake them. They say, no, everybody has been saying the Messiah is coming, but he has not yet come. He says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Mrs. Lot. And then he goes on to say here, when he hesitated, the man grasped, they grabbed his hand and grabbed the hands of his wife and his two daughters eh, and led them safely. Did you hear the word safely? Did anybody hear the word safely? Did anyone hear the word peligrosamente, dangerously? No. Safely. It is God's intention to bring you to safety. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad on this earth. I have seen it already. And every word spoken by the Lord using this tongue will be fulfilled. You rather run for your life and submit and obey. But the devil always lies to you as if there is another option. That ah, you may not listen to that. Just relax. But the day the fire falls from above on Sodom, there will be no moment to think about it. There will be no time to repent. And it will be sudden and swift. Right? We are coming to that. And so, then he says, outside, safely out of the city, for the Lord had mercy on them. As soon as they had, been, they had brought them out, out again, as soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Flee for what? Flee for what? Run away for your life. That is how serious this was. Flee for your lives. This place is going to be bad. It's going to be, un- you cannot survive this, unbearable. Flee for your lives. 
And he says, flee for your lives. This is serious, blessed people. So my son Samuel, can you serve yourself some coffee there? I think the cups are there. Serve yourself some coffee. So you are at ease at home. Hallelujah. He says, flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plains. Flee to the mountains. And you'll be, otherwise you'll be swept away. And you'll be safe. Flee to the mountains. Or you'll be swept away. That is amazing. You are telling a woman that has been roasting. She has been doing what? Roasting barbecue. Chicken and beef and lambs. And goats marinated. Eating rice. Eating well. Bread. And drinking nice juices that are good for body. And big home. Palatial living. And now you are telling her, quit from the city, run to the mountains, to the caves, my Lord. I mean, let her, you can even stop there for a moment and say, I think even you would have had some, if somebody came now and told you, please flee from here and run to the mountain. <laughs> I don't want to make a joke on this. Huh? If somebody came here and told you, run away now and leave this place and where, where do I go? Go towards Mount Kenya and climb up. Run and by running and stay up in the caves. You would wonder whether that person is normal, right? So you can imagine the condition of this woman that the Lord raises. Flee for your lives. When you read the instruction, the exacting law of God that is being dispensed over there, administered, in that scripture, when he says, now flee for your lives to the mountain there. Don't even stop, don't look back. That reminds you of Genesis chapter 2, 16, 17. The exacting law of God that can never be broken. Genesis chapter 2, another exacting law of God that can never be broken. He says very clearly, Genesis chapter 2, I'm reading 16, 17. It says the following. And the Lord God commanded man. What is the word? Commanded. Does he say he bargained with man? Does he say they sorted it out? Does he say they sat down and agreed? Does he say that they, they, it was a give and take? Command. He that created your life and knows what is best for you, the kingdom of glory. He said, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day when you eat from it, you will certainly, surely die. When God says you'll certainly die, what does that mean? You're going to die. You try, you will die. That reminds me of another exacting law. That exacting law. When he gives them another exacting law here and says, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Run away. Never look back. So, verse 18 again. But Lord said to them, now my Lord, 
please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes. And you have shown great kindness unto me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me. And I'll die. Verse 20. Look, there is a town near enough to run to. And it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to him, Very well. I'll grant this request too. I'll not overthrow the town you speak of. But flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That's why the town is called Zohar. In other words, you see your pre-tribulation rapture right there. Your pre-tribulation rapture right there. The rapture that happens before tribulation. You see the rapture that is coming to happen before the tribulation sets in. This is amazing. This background I'm giving you tonight for tonight's message. He said that flee, run away from this place. It's going to be bad. It's going to be totally destroyed and you cannot survive here. Flee for your life. And mankind still has what? Arguments, contestations. He wants things about his comfort. The things he says he may not manage to do. Isn't that amazing? Instead of simply obeying, you have gotten favor enough. They have caught your hands and pulled you out of the gate into safety outside. And God is telling you what to do and you are telling God what you want to do. God Almighty, the Lord is telling you what is best for you. And you are busy telling the Lord what you prefer to do. Doesn't that really say it all about the human condition? Even at the last moments, really. When things become thick and heavy, still, mankind is still choosing his own options. The Lord is saying, flee to the mountains. And probably they're saying, no, how can we manage? We've been living so well, sleeping on, on mattresses that are big and soft. We have been walking on roads that are paved, cabros, and covering ourselves with duvets. How do we run to the mountain now and live in the caves like wild animals? The Lord is saying, no, this is about life and death. I'll take care of you up there. Don't worry, just obey. Still you see rudiments of contestation, rudiments of the fall, and the remnants of rebellion. But the Lord stretches His grace, right? Again, verse 17. As soon as they had brought them out of the gate, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plains. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away by the fire. That is God's exacting law to save you. In other words, what is the Lord saying here? Are we together? Focus on me now. 
He's saying something. Focus on me. Fokandra keep of God. He's saying something very critical right now. He's saying that God delivers. That the Lord Almighty, He has delivering power. He delivers. The Lord has power sufficient enough to deliver mankind from sin. Is that what he's saying? Focusing on me, everybody. Then he's saying that however, for God to deliver you in his own salvation, he needs your obedience. You must work with God on his salvation plan. Because he knows his salvation plan. He knows what is good for you. What he has designed for you. But you must walk with him by doing what? Obeying him. Then he will deliver you. But if you find a church that is virtually disobedient today and they claim to be in God's salvation plan, then you can fill in the gaps. You can tell where she's going to end up. example, God Almighty established pretty well that the voice that you can enter the kingdom of God. You cannot. Because the devil has never sent anybody to tell a sinful homosexual generation to repent and turn away from sin and receive Jesus be holy and prepare for the Messiah. The devil has never sent anybody to say that. So you can tell that this voice is virtually indisputable, undeniable, unmistakable, incontestable, unassailable, has commanded heaven open, has brought the cloud, has raised cripples. Today, today as we speak, we celebrated blind eyes opened in Kericho. Whereby when you hear the narrative of the doctors, what this voice did when he spoke from Pontoldo Araguaia in Brazil and decreed the eternal blood of the Lamb, the glorious Lamb of God. What this voice did by that decree in Kericho today, the doctor says nothing short of a miracle of creating new eyeball, new what, a new pathway. Those pathways for sight. Unbelievable. So God has come out, the Lord Almighty has come out openly and established that this voice is virtually incontestable. That this is the voice of the Lord himself. Because he says, as I come to moment, my mere presence Heaven will open. And he arrives now, Vasha, heaven open. And he goes now, Narok, heaven opens. Ololunga, heaven's open. He goes to Bomet on the D-Day, heaven really opens until today. Until today. Until today. So God, heaven itself, has testified that this voice is virtually incontestable, undeniable, unmistakable, indisputable. You cannot. Even now it's raining out there, I can hear the rain. 
Why? Because this voice spoke. The weathermen using satellites and very sophisticated machines and algorithms and different satellite stations and put together they had said there was drought in 40 years. But even now as I speak it's raining out here. We cannot even do Menengai 5, Menengai 6. We are raging and raving to go but we cannot go. It's raining what they call cats and dogs. So God, the Lord Almighty, has fully established that this voice is undebatable, undeniable, unmistakable, incontrovertible. It's the established voice of God that can command earthquakes to go happen, can command what you see happening in Israel today. In other words, you cannot contest, but the generation has attempted to contest it. So you can tell where they end up. That's why God came out and said, please remember, Mrs. Lord, what rebellion can do. Please remember what resistance, disobedience can do. Yeah, that is, that is the message right there. So can we continue? Very serious in our introduction before we embark onto the entire, the introduction. Before we go into this serious mission tonight. Just the contextualization, developing a perspective, a background. You see the wealth, how rich it is, and it gives you a broader understanding now, the background, the environment under which that woman was operating. Remember Lord's wife. Remember Lord's wife. And I tell you, remember that that is our reference scripture tonight. Remember Lord's wife. And I say unto you, you also remember that that's our reference scripture, right? Hallelujah. This is serious. A generation of contestation. A generation of my will. God has his will. God is telling you with this voice, through this voice, follow this way. Repent. Submit here. Don't play around with eternity. Don't take chances. Do this. And you say, no, I have my own mind. Uza. Uza tried to use his personal will. In his own mind. But the Lord struck him dead in front of the Ark of the Covenant. To demonstrate that personal will does not apply. Personal will does not apply before the Lord. And I'm so glad that the general overseer is sitting here today. Very powerfully. Uh, right Reverend Amos Wandera himself is here. And the administrative secretary. And we have also uh, Emeritus Litunda is here. Senior Archbishop Emeritus. And then we have the senior archbishop, the blessed one himself, Major General Chaka retired, and then many other people, Michael Nisman, we have uh, Honorable Kabingu, Dr. JJ is here, if I don't mention that, you say please for the sake of Yaya, just mention my name, for the sake of Yaya, <laughs> otherwise they will finish me when I get there. So this is serious, he's raising red flags. As he tells you, remember Lord's wife, along the way, in the perspective, the background, so many red flags, hesitation, being urged, being dragged, and all this kind of stuff. We've not even arrived where she looks back. But you see, so much has gone up. Red flags, alarms. That says, don't try, don't do this, don't attempt this. But the synonym with the generation is quite disturbing. It's incredible, right? And he goes on to say, 
They are now choosing their own destination, right? The Lord is saying, run to the mountain even without a blanket. Did you carry one? No, I did not. Just run to any cave up there and be there. Save your life. Flee for your life. He may say, no, you know, we are used to cities. This is a mega one, but I am ready to cut down on my lifestyle. Can you take me to this one? Look, it's even small. (laughs) There is so much in there. He's saying, I'm ready to down grace. (laughs) I tell you. I'm ready to cut down on my demands. And he says, isn't it small? Look, this one is small. Let me go to that one. But the Lord had lined them up all. He prepared them for a major military strikes, military action. For serious bombardment with fire. For total destruction. He had put them in the crosshair. And the computers had set them with precision guide. They were all to be detonated, destroyed, and demolished. But now he's asking for a smaller city. The condition of the fallen sons of Adam. In other words, the sons and daughters of the fall. Always contesting God, even when God is fighting for your life. He that created life knows what is best for you, right? And then you are fighting back. You, you want your own things. We live in a generation where there are human rights. There are feminine rights. There are minority rights. There are all manner of rights. The children rights. So it's a generation that's enjoying rights. So they have attempted to come before God and also express their own rights. When the Lord says, I'll strike you. When the Lord sends his prophets and says, he will judge you with earthquakes. They say, no, that is abusing my human rights. That's abusing their human rights. God says he wants to strike them with earthquakes. They will say that is abusing their human rights. You are abusing our rights. And yet the creator who knows what is best for thee is pointing you towards a given direction. And you are choosing an openness, a liberalism. You want to be liberal. You want to have choices before God. Oh, what a society, democratic societies, democratic generation. They choose choices and they have what you call entitlement. They say those democratic rights are not being begged. They are not for asking. He says they are naturally bestowed on them. So they attempt to bring that to the Lord. You bring that to the Lord and it's a disaster. You end up in the lake of fire. But you can see the rudiments of that fall here. Because the Lord is saying, please run to the mountains. Grab a little blanket, run up there. He said, no, I may not make it there. I will die in the caves. A snake will bite me. I fear, I fear that. And now, what do you want then? Because we want to do it. We are ready. He said, no, this city is small. I'm ready to down grace, to cut down my life. I tell you what a generation as if it was contestable, right? But the unmatched, unbelievable, the overstretched extra grace of God is expressed here, right? The Lord goes out of his way to accommodate his needs, his demands, in other words. Israeli they say Akonamatakwazake. And so let's see what happens. He says, Isn't it? 
then my life will be spared. So he now knows his own plan of salvation, right? He says, if I go to this one, then my life will be saved. The Lord is saying, I've prepared some fruit for you and honey, some honey inside those caves up there that you may suck and live healthy without cancers and everything, right? And you're saying, no, you want to go to a small city and roast a little bit. I want you to feed on herbs and honeycombs. And he said, no. I want to go to a small town so I can continue my, even if I don't continue total, but at least the other lifestyle, cut it down, a miniature version of it. And then he says, then my life will be spared. How? The creator of life, the protector of life is telling you, run up the cave with a blanket. Things are bad. This is apocalypse and you are fooling around, right? You still want some luxury on this earth, right? Aye. This is serious, right? Very serious. He goes on to say, verse 21, he said to him, very well, I grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of. Look at that. But flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach up there. I cannot strike the earth until the church enters into glory. Hallelujah. I cannot judge the earth until you enter inside heaven. Because what is the point giving you salvation to save you? Saving you from what? To save you and then mix you with wicked people and crush you there like minced meat. What's the point? That is not God's plan. So you see the pre-tribulation rapture exuded here, right? Hallelujah. You also see it in the days of Noah. But there's something amazing that we're going to come to tonight once we enter the message itself. You're going to learn some serious lessons here tonight. One of them is that during the days of Enoch, only a few were saved. The days of Noah, only a few were saved. The days of Lot, only a few were saved, my Lord. And he says it will be the same in this time, my Lord. Shouldn't that send a chill down your spine? Only Noah's family was saved. Only Lot's family is saved. Come to Enoch. Only Enoch is raptured. Ikoshida. If you are going to say, as it was during that time, so shall it be, then there is a problem, right? Are we still together? This is bad. It's starting to not look good, right? Yeah. I see the blessed senior bishop now doing his finger like saying, no, 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 this, this doesn't sound good now. Because only a few were saved. Only a few were saved. This is serious. Only a few were saved. And he goes on to say, if we continue. So he granted the wish and he told him, and that's why the town is called Zoar. Verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zoar, by the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. 
Then the Lord rained down sulfur on Sodom and the sister city of Gomorrah. From the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities, those wicked cities, and the entire plain, destroying all those living in those cities. And also destroying the entire vegetation in the land. But Lord's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Verse 26. That is where the Lord wanted to draw you to. Verse 26. It says, but Lord's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. A monument of salt. This is serious now. Very, very serious. This is now where I want us to dig in and find out what is the Lord saying. This is now the lead scripture in our conversation tonight when the Lord said, remember Lord's wife. Run to them and stand before them and quote for them that scripture. When I told them and warned them that what? Remember Lord's wife. This is it. She looked back and became a pillar of salt. This is serious. Sometime later, fast forward, a group with Korah, Korah, Dathan, Abiram are going to look back and be struck down. Fast forward sometime in the near future, in the book of Exodus, some other people, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, are going to try to look back at Egypt and then be struck down by God. Say, please, flee, but don't look back. Don't look back. I, 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 that is serious. Right away, before we begin our message tonight, even as we begin right now, right away, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 and 8, or 4 and 6, maybe. Hebrews chapter 6, turn with me there. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 and 6. He says the following. The book of Hebrews chapter 6, 4 and 6. Once you are there, say amen to me, Taiwan. Amen. He says the following. They're looking back. He's saying, remember Lord's wife. What is she known for? Somebody lift up your hand and tell me. For looking back. For looking back. And he says, Go tell them to remember her. Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6, he says, It is what? I don't hear you together in chorus. It is what? It is not possible. In other words, not possible.
possible. Not possible. Once God says it is not possible, what does that mean? That thing. Oh. He now talks about the church. After warning them, remember Mrs. Lot. Remember Lot's wife. And we found out that she's known for what? Looking back. She remembered the palatial homes. She remembered the barbecue, the entertaining of guests. When the governor came, when the king came to visit at home, how they laid out the salads and the nice fruits, and how she woke up in the morning and always greeted her family, enjoyed breakfast, and she made a small vegetable garden, and she would greet guests. Gold would come. The husband would say, I'm buying 30 pieces, but honey, this one is for you tonight. I'm buying 30 pieces of this gold, but they are too good, honey. This one, I want you to keep this. She remembered the goodies, the goods, the pleasures of this life. And the Lord says, remember Lord's wife. Now look at this now. After salvation has come, the book of Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6, he says, it is what? Impossible for those who have once, for those who have done what? For those who have received Christ, my Lord. Are you now understanding me? This is serious. Very serious. He now says, it is impossible, meaning not possible. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Is he implying those who have gone to university and got degrees, PhD? Not at all. Enlightened are those who have received the light of the grace. The knowledge of the grace. They are the ones now who have been enlightened. They are the ones who are in the know. They are now aware. He's saying, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Excuse me. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. So this is serious. He says, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, those who have tasted the heavenly gift, if I were you, I would be building my list vertically. My list vertically. In other words, look at this everybody. As we are building that list vertically now, on the things that once the church, once you have, it's impossible, huh? But as you build it, you also have another understanding. You realize just a moment. I think he's also defining to us the characteristics of a saved Christian, a born again. So while he's saying those, he's saying that it's impossible for those who have the following to be brought back to repentance if they fall away. But he's also coming out clearly, literally, to say that to be born again entails the following of the above. Number one, number two, number three, until I've seen Timothy has opened his mouth, say, wow, that is it. He's saying, it is impossible for those who have salvation entails being what? Number one, 
enlightened. Down, down vertically, number two, tasted the heavenly gift. Number three, who have shared in the Holy Spirit. Number four, tasted the goodness of the word of God. Number five, they tasted the powers of the coming age. Number six, and so forth. But if they fall away, it is impossible for them to be brought back to repentance. Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again. And they are subjecting him to public disgrace, public shame. He's saying, go and tell them, remember Lord's wife. That when she was delivered, the angels touched her hand, touched the hand of the husband, touched the children, and took them out, outside the gate, outside the, the hell. The hell fire, outside Afuera. And when he's saying, when they reached out there, saved and delivered, she did what? Looked back. She remembered the world, the pleasures of the world, the momentary, the temporary pleasures of the world, my Lord. The barbecue beef, barbecue chicken, the broiled fish. The rice, the stuff-fried Chinese rice with eggs. She remembered all these things, the juices. She remembered the temporary pleasures of the world. Do you remember what Esau did? Esau. Esau was so famished. And for temporary pleasure... He sold out his inheritance, eternal inheritance. And he's saying that is what the present day church is doing. They are born again, but instead of moving forward, they have looked back. And the world has entered the church. El mundo entrada la iglesia. The world has entered back to the lives of the Christians. So they are wearing short miniskirt like the world, short dress. They want the world to see their nakedness like the world. They are wearing tight to show the breasts like the world. They are opening... ...their chest like the world. They are involved in immorality like the world. They are testing the world. The church of Christ has done what? She was on the way out. God has held her hand and pulled her out of hell. But she looked back. He says, it is impossible, meaning not possible. For them to be salvation. This is serious. Once you have been enlightened. Once you have tasted the heavenly gifts. Once you have shared in the Holy Spirit. Once you have tasted the goodness of the word of God. Once you have tasted the powers of the coming age. If the forerunners, the forerunners alone, this generation is different from another generation. Because in this one, the forerunners of the coming kingdom have come. And they are moving with power. They are commanding from Brazil. Creepers are walking. They are opening heaven. They are calling the
when you look at the way the messengers of God are operating now, you can easily tell, wow, if the forerunners can command heaven and rain come, can call God and he comes, can command from far from Nairobi and cripples get up, their fears open. How about the power of the Messiah himself when he arrives, my Lord? Hakuna muta mepigia yeso vigelegele hapa. He say, if the forerunners have come with such astounding power, why are they going to the neutron stars and shake the whole universe, the whole creation, shaken by colliding neutron stars? And I never told you, one of the neutron stars I picked from another galaxy, and the distance from another galaxy to another is unbelievable. It's not even equal to this one we're talking about. It's even farther now. And collide them and shake the entire creation. How much more the Messiah himself, the power and the glory when he arrives, how much will the earth shake? How much will the earth shake? How much? How much? Na muzipike vigelegele ya uongo iwe ya halali ya kumanisha. Let it not be that one. I, the powers of the coming age, they have perceived it. They have tasted it. They have seen that in the kingdom of God, there are no creepers. They have seen the powers of the coming kingdom, that in that kingdom, there are no blind people. They have seen that in the powers of the coming age, if somebody was deaf, on that day, their ears are opened as they are going up. Oh, yes. 